Hi, it's Matt. Just before we start the show, I want to tell you about a great live event I've got coming up on the 27th of March. To celebrate 600 episodes of Recruiting Future, I'm going to be hosting a live Ask Me Anything webinar. This is your chance to pick my brain on anything you like, including market trends and predictions, the impact of AI on recruiting, skills-based hiring, the changing role of recruiters, podcasting tips, or even my favourite Scottish tourist destinations and whiskies. Literally, ask me anything. I'll also be joined by some surprise special guests who'll be adding their perspectives to the conversation. You can sign up now by going to mattalder.me slash AMA. That's mattalder.me slash AMA. And I really look forward to seeing you there. That web address one last time. mattalder.me slash AMA. Support for this podcast comes from Social Referral from Broadbean. Social Referral is the automated and seamless workflow for employee referral. Recognise and reward employees for referring friends and connections to current jobs. Spread the good word about your employment brand and attract top talent to your business. With Social Referral, recruiters and employees can share, engage and are rewarded instantly. Ignite your employee referral programme with Social Referral from Broadbean. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 28 of the Recruiting Future podcast. A few episodes ago, I spoke to Matthew Jeffrey at SAP about their innovative graduate recruitment process. I was interested in digging a bit deeper. And in this week's episode, I talked to Gareth Jones from Chemistry, the company that designed SAP's assessment process. Gareth also always has an eye on the future, and we talk about some of the tools and trends he's seeing in the space. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another Recruiting Future podcast interview. My guest today is Gareth Jones. Hi, Gareth. Hi, Matt. How are you? I'm very good. Would you just like to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. So I'm Gareth Jones, and I'm the head of technology at a company called Chemistry Group, who you may have, may not have heard of. Um, we are a, um, a change people change uh, business consultancy, and at the core of everything that we do is is assessment. And we do an awful lot of work with large corporates, predominantly uh, around resourcing and re-engineering their resourcing strategy. And, um, my role in the business is to build the technology that we use to do that, which we've been doing for a while. Okay, and what was, um, you know, tell us about your background to, um, uh, you know, to, th- that got you into this, into this, into this job. <laughs> my background that got me into this job. Well, I'm a bit of a, uh, it's been a bit of a journey for me. I started in HR, so um, in the sort of the whole remit of people. Did 10 years there um, in large corporates for an HR role, got a bit disillusioned with it. Um, and that's when I stepped out into a journey of other roles, um, sales, business development, consulting, but always in technology and people um, with a, as a flavour. Uh, and I did spend some time running a recruitment business as well about seven or eight years ago. 
Um, so I've always been in the kind of the, the fold of my fascination is technology and people. So well. um, a, a long time in the industry. Yes. I might even say industry veteran. No, I don't think so. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So um, if people haven't come across chemistry before, they, they uh, may have listened to the podcast I did uh, a few weeks back with Matthew Jeffrey from SAP. Yeah. Um, he mentioned chemistry in the context of a graduate recruitment program that SAP yeah. had run, um, where he had uh, basically done online uh, automated online assessments for, I think it was 50,000 candidates. Now, um, I think it was your IP and your technology that yeah. kind of powered that. Can you, can you sort of tell us a little bit about... Uh, that campaign and what what you guys what you guys did and, and what you learned from it. Sure, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was really for SAP's global graduate um, intake, which I believe was covering seventy countries and multiple languages. <clears throat> and they needed to bring that together, but didn't really have the resource to pull that into one, um, I suppose, central point. So we worked with them on um, that full campaign. So we helped kind of re-engineer that whole. Um, graduate resourcing piece from initial attraction through to hire um, and the key elements to that were the first thing we did was we designed and built the online screening tools which have had um, quite a bit of you know press and Matt's talked about those that dealt with the vast the volume of applicants they had and brought them all into a central place where they could but we, we could um, consistently benchmark them against um, what great looks like for an SAP uh, graduate which is a sales graduate which is the first group we started on we then designed and took that same what great looks like DNA, which is the heart of everything that we do, and we built it into the video screening, which are called Hangouts, and uh, the assessment centres, which were the uh, third element in. So we had a kind of a full suite, but the, the kind of the magic really happened in the applicant screening stuff, because that's where I think huge amount of um, sifting took place and allowed them to have a full hiring quota at the end of the process because we, the, the funnel was so rich. Now, one of the questions I think I ask almost everyone who comes on this uh, podcast is, can you replace a recruiter with an <laughs> algorithm? Now, um, I'll be interested to know your thoughts on that, but, but maybe the question is slightly more complicated, slightly, slightly uh, broader, which is, you know, which bits of recruitment could you replace with yeah. an algorithm? But, um, you know, do, do you think that you can replace a recruiter completely with an algorithm? Um, what's your view on that? So I think the answer is, I'd say, no, not right now. We're not into the sort of, we're not ordering a hire that gets delivered at the door at the moment, but who knows? Um, what I do think, and there's a lot of debate about it, let's face it, it's online, um, but I do think it's a bit of a sun headline thing um, in that what we knew, what we know is that we can replace some of the, some of the work that they do. Um, and it's the, if you look at where we are at the moment, the applicant screening work, which we know already just using existing technology that we use is you know more quick and more accurate if you've got the right definitions behind it and a lot of wasted time for recruiters to do so that bit definitely is already replaced by an algorithm albeit not a hugely sophisticated one yeah but through a set of assessments we're able to define what it looks like well enough to narrow that applicant pool down to a good well-qualified set of Individuals, so yes, that can absolutely be done. Um, and the future technology that's out there that I've been looking at, that we're playing around with, you know, broadens that scope massively um, to the point where actually the more interesting question for me is not whether you can replace a recruiter; it's whether you can replace a psychologist. 
Can you replace a psychologist with an algorithm? Well, here we are, redefining the, uh, <laughs> another, question. Another yeah. time. But we're actually in your offices at the moment. Yeah. We not say that too loudly in case yeah. um, all the psychologists <laughs> outside um, um, kind of storm in. Yeah. Um, and I think that's interesting, actually, because um, presumably, uh, you know, even with the, um, you know, the SAP work, there was a huge amount of. Um, presumably design type work that went into that that involved humans what what was the sort of process there so effectively it was um, designing fundamentally finding out what great looks like and we use um, sort of our IP and assessments to work that out that's key and then simply then it will say simply it's then taking that with the applicant screening tools for example it's building bespoke assessment content so we don't do off the shelf stuff so we're actually tailoring the assessment so they reflect and find the people that are going to be, or you know, have the potential to do the role, the real potential, not just based on what university they went to, um, or what work experience they might have school have been to. So it's far more accurate in that sense. And what do you think the biggest mistakes um, companies are making um, in, in kind of assessment and, and, and recruiting are at the are, are, are at the moment. Is there anything that kind of consistently comes up? I'd, yeah, I think the thing that amazes me um, is that time and time again, even large, sophisticated businesses don't have a good idea what great looks like. They don't have a consistent idea for key roles in the business. They need to roll out a new strategy, enter a new market, transform their retail experience. All of these initiatives require the right people and when you see how they're defining what success is for those roles that are going to deliver on that strategy, it's woefully inadequate. You know, in a lot of cases, it's still still a job description or a person spec that's been written by someone who's currently in the job. You know, there's no defined framework to say what are the things that really will predict performance in this job, and it's missing. And I still I still find you know, companies with 50, 80, 100,000 employees, they're still not doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You... You, you mentioned uh, you kind of touched on the future of technology that you were you were yes. looking at and all that kind of stuff. What's the most interesting and exciting thing you've you, you've kind of seen uh, in terms of technology that people have developed or are developing um, that you think could be used within within recruitment? Obviously, not not giving any secrets away yeah. about what you guys might be developing, but just stuff you've seen from other people. Sure. Well, I think the, the interesting shift is that for a number of years, we and others have measured, say, our criteria, so in our world, values, motivations, behaviours and intellect. We've been measuring those things in a, in a very structured way for a long time, you know, through third-party, like SHR-type psychometric assessments. And what we're seeing now is that with the way the fabric of the internet now works and the way we as consumers behave and the things that we do online particularly we're leaving that vast digital footprint is is a huge opportunity for us to add layers of accuracy to those things so instead of me just asking you a set of questions around you know your values to determine what your value set is or what your personality is actually there's the opportunity exists out there for me to just kind of in, in inverted commas observe you by looking at your social updates what you're saying how you're saying it what your likes are, um, the stuff you put inside your LinkedIn profile, the things you say on social communities, your actual behaviour that we can map by seeing how you connect on a social community with others or how you interact with others at work, your health and nutrition data. All of these things we're capturing. And they, if you can look at them through the right lens, they also predict 
potential of performance. So for us, it's I think the core still remains the same, but we've now got these fabulous um, multi-layered different data sets that we can look at that can make that prediction of performance more accurate. I think that's really interesting because a, a, a lot of people would have the kind of reaction to that as, well, actually, no, I don't put very much up, you know, about myself out there. Um, and I think when they realise just how much information is, is, <laughs> too <late>. is trapped <laughs> and it was too late, they, they kind of be they kind of be terrified. And I think there's a really interesting thing about, um, you know, privacy um, and how much privacy we actually don't have yeah. um, that, that could be a big... Uh, could be a big debate moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're coming to a tipping point with that. I think they say that the millennials yeah. um, don't care about privacy, and I just don't believe that's true. Um, I think they do care, but they they've just unwittingly walked into, you know, exchanging a access to something like Facebook for their entire you know data profile. And I think at some point we're going to be reaching the point where we're saying, hang on, whose data is it anyway? I've just done a post on it around if I'm moving from company to company as an employee, why shouldn't I take that data with me? Yeah, I'm leaving yeah. it dying in a workday instance or an Oracle instance at the moment, and I can't use that for my benefit. And if I'm the one who's trying to find my own job, do my own development, pay for my own benefits, etc., I need that data. So I think we're going to come to a point where someone described it, it could be as Magna Carta proportions. I'm not sure it will be or not, but wow. it could be that moment when we kind of say, hang on a minute, the data landscape has to shift in terms of ownership, part ownership as a minimum. So uh, final question. Um, one of uh, the other guests I had on uh, not so long ago was uh, Stefan Kazriak, who was the... Uh, CEO of Upwork, which is the oh, yeah. uh, talent kind of network yeah. where, uh, you know, massively uh, leveraging people working remotely, yeah. um, you know, bringing kind of global uh, freelance talent into in, into businesses. And we, we very much had a conversation that, um, you know, he, he obviously very strongly believes that that's the, that's the future of, of, of knowledge work. Yeah. Um, is that a view you share? Um, and if it, if it is, or if it isn't, how important might um, you know the, the, the assessment, or how um, you know, how you sort of tell whether uh, people are appropriate for the for the for the job might 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 be? Would it mm. would it be ratings? Well, you know, what do you think? Sort of putting you on the putting you on the spot. I can see you thinking deeply yeah, uh, so, about this one. Yeah, I think the the it's all evolving, isn't it? And I think the, the businesses like that, you know, there are more and more of us independent or having to do two roles, maybe a job and do something independent. And certainly organisations are looking to try and uh, ultimately have large swathes of workforce, either working independently or flexibly. I think with that, um, if you've got an, an, an environment like that where people are trading their services, stuff, and they're communicating on the platform, actually that platform in itself has some incredible data about the behaviour of those people. Of course. And so. could find some way of putting putting the right lens in the middle of all that and match people much more appropriately. And even you could get into which there which is being done at the moment, monitoring those updates, though how often they put in a bid for work or how the conversation goes. And using that to define things like trust signals and mm. reputation and stuff like that. And I do know a, cu a couple of organizations that started out in the assessment space 
um, with, new, with new but familiar assessments. And what they're doing is shifting that, layering the social stuff over the top of it and turning that into your personal recommendation engine. Okay. So, you know, the fact is that this will take a view of you across your full social footprint and say you're trustworthy because of your behaviour. So that's... Might be. We live in interesting times. We do indeed, yes. It's very good to say. Gareth, thank you very much for talking to me. You're welcome, Matt. Thank you for having me. My thanks to Gareth Jones. For show notes and past episodes of the podcast, please go to www.rfpodcast.com. You can also subscribe to the mailing list there and find out more about me on the Work With Matt Alder page. You can, of course, subscribe to the podcast itself on iTunes and on Stitcher. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next week and I hope you'll join me. This is my show. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.